Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett, and this is going to be part two of Game Changer. I've discovered that the biggest changes in my life occur during times of trials and sufferings and tribulation. So today, I want to continue on this thought of what is the reason for suffering? Why do Christians suffer? Well, George Mueller said, the only way to learn strong faith is to endure great trials. You see, when we look at trials coming our way, uh, they're going to come your way. You can't get around them. As a matter of fact, Paul says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for the sake of Jesus, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. In these very few verses, Paul lists several kinds of suffering, mental, physical, emotional, and even spiritual suffering. But I want you to know there's a purpose behind it. God does not arbitrarily allow suffering in our lives. Here's the first reason why we suffer. Number one is because it's a test of the sincerity of our faith. These have come, this suffering has come, so that your faith may be proven. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So when we look at this, our faith, the faith of our fathers, was not a passive faith. It wasn't a sit-around, do-nothing faith. Those who suffer for righteousness' sake are having the sincerity of their faith tested. You know, the leader of the church in Paul's day was supporting them. They didn't criticize them. They celebrated when they went through times of difficulty because they knew this was a test of their faith. Now, we got to keep moving, even when we are under pressure. You know, we want to quit, right? Sometimes people come to me and say, well, pastor, we are really going through a hard time. And because we're going through such a hard time, we're going to have to drop out for a while. That is the worst thing that you can do. God is testing the sincerity of your faith. And if you say, I'm dropping out, you know who's testing you? That's not from God. The enemy's trying to test you. Dale Carnegie says, said this, inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit at home and think about it. Go out and get busy. When the pressure comes your way, it is a test of the sincerity of your faith. Now we're down to verse number eight. It also tests the strength of my faith. Peter says, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. It may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So the value of our faith is greater than gold. It's stronger than the American dollar. It's stronger than the world's economy. Don't fear pressure. Don't feel like pressure is bad. It is testing the strength. James put it this way. 
Uh, You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Uh, So don't worry about the judgments of men. Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but can't kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Well, I don't know about you, but I fear the disapproval of God much more than the disapproval of man. My faith is in Christ and in Christ alone. How do I know my strength of faith is in Him? When pressure comes, it squeezes out what is within. When we think about the difficulties we go through, not only does suffering reveal the sincerity of my faith, not only does it reveal the strength of my faith, but it also shows the source of my faith. Verse number eight, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and you are filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. Isn't it unbelievable to see that you can have this source of faith and you're going through times of suffering and all of a sudden you have this glorious, inexpressible joy. Peace in the midst of the storm. Joy in the midst of pressure. First Peter 1.21, Peter says, Through Christ, through Jesus, you believe God who raised you from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are no longer in God. D.L. Moody says, faith takes God with its ifs. So where's your source of faith? When it is in Christ and in Christ alone, you discover that he gives you joy inexpressible, full of glory, full of joy. There's something else that suffering does. Salvation is revealed in the times of suffering. Verse number nine, you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Remember the context is suffering. Peter is reminding us that the end result of our suffering is that we see our souls saved. Now, we're not saved by our suffering. We're saved through our suffering. Romans 6, 22, but now that we have been set free from sin, We have become slaves of God. The benefit is that we reap holiness, which is the result of eternal life. You see, God has given us his wonderful gift of salvation. This salvation was spoken of by the prophets who were led by the Spirit. I want you to know, to be right with God often means to be in trouble with men. So if you're feeling pressure in your life today, if you're going through times of suffering, remember the prophets went through it. And they were being led by the Spirit. In our times of suffering, it ought to be a time for us to search diligently and intently as to where this suffering is coming from and why are we suffering. You see, we know, according to Isaiah, that we are descendants of the root of Jesse, and we will stand as a banner to the people. The Gentiles will seek God through us. The Gentiles will find his resting place to be glorious in him. We are to be searching diligently to discover that God is with us. You know, there's a large jetliner who was taking passengers to their destination. When they went through some terrible turbulence, the plane went up and down, shaking and losing its altitude. So, hey, if you want to pray for me, I'm getting ready to get on a plane not too far beyond this broadcast, and I'm going to be flying to Costa Rica. Why don't you pray for me? Because I hate to fly. Uh, The reason I hate to fly is because I'm a control freak, and uh, I won't be the pilot of that plane. I'll be a passenger, 
and they're going to put me in this tube uh, that is sealed off at both ends, and then they're going to close the door. And the reason I don't like flying is because I hate to be trapped anywhere. But this particular jetliner was going up and down, losing altitude. Everyone on the plane was hollering and screaming, except a little girl who sat directly behind the cockpit. When everything returned back to normal, a lady standing next to the little girl leaned over and said, Young lady, I'm impressed by your calmness. Everyone else in this plane was really upset during that time of turbulence. But there you sat as if everything was all right. Why were you so calm? Well, the little girl replied, I wasn't afraid because my daddy's flying his plane and he promised me that we would make it home safely. And so I'm going to remind myself uh, that my heavenly father has promised me that I'm going to make it home safely. You see, we are secure in our times of suffering because our suffering has revealed to us that the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself, is going to keep us secure. You know something else about suffering? As we go through times of suffering, we learn in verse number 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you. You know, as I'm spending time suffering, I am shown that as I serve others, not always will they receive the service that I give to them. You know, I'm not serving myself. I'm serving God and others. You know, a self-serving Christian is actually a contradiction of terms. You know, the church is not meant to be a loosely bound association of functional Lone Rangers. No, Paul confronts that type of thinking when he writes, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Has it ever occurred to you that in our times of suffering, God allows so that we can share that suffering with others, so that we can be comforted by others? Paul tells us that God comforts us in our times of afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in their time of affliction with the same comfort that we receive from God himself. We are to comfort one another. David Paulison responds with this matter of suffering by saying, when we pass through fiery trials, we found God to be true, true to what he says. You have a real helper. You have firsthand experience of both his sustaining grace and his purposeful design. He has kept you through the pain. He has reshaped you and he's conformed you to his image. What you are experiencing from God, you can give away an increasing measure to others. Uh, you are learning both the tenderness and the clarity necessary to help sanctify another person's deepest distress. When we go through difficulties, realize that God's bringing us comfort so that we can comfort others. I also want you to know that when suffering comes, suffering is actually sent from heaven. And the way we respond to the suffering is something that is beyond angelic comprehension. I look at verse number 12. But those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Oh, Paul reminds us that the sufferings that we go through, they may seem like they're overwhelming, but they are light and momentary afflictions. God is bringing them into our lives to prepare us 
for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're transient. For the things that are unseen are eternal. You see, Corrie ten Boone understood this when she says, Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. The psalmist cried out to the Lord, And the day when I cried to you, you answered me, and you made me bold with strength as my soul needed it. Oh, my friend, I want you to know, you may feel overwhelmed with what you're going through. You may feel like uh, you're caving in with all the trouble that you're experiencing. But I want you to know that God is able, and He will deliver you. He will give you the strength that you need to make it through the suffering that you are facing, and He's going to take that suffering. And he's going to turn it into a game changer. And that's how we change. I want you to know, God is going to come into your life at a moment of suffering, at just the right moment, and he's going to give you victory. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be overwhelmed with what you're facing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he does something amazing. If you acknowledge him, he makes your path straight. You know, I'm so thankful that as I go through times of suffering, I have a band of brothers and sisters who come alongside and help me. You know, many years ago, I went through a very difficult time in my life. I lost about a year of my life battling depression. Oh, I continued to function the best I could. I was a student in college, and I continued taking classes, and I continued to go to counseling during this time of, of immense depression. And, and I even had one of, the, uh, uh, of my guidance counselors at, at the school where I was going say, hey, listen, if you need to take a, a semester off to get your life in order, uh, we, can give you a, you know, we, can, we can give you an academic uh, a release and, uh, and just kind of put things on hold for you, and you can kind of pick up uh, next semester where you left off. And, and uh, they weren't going to charge me, and I wasn't going to lose anything on my, on my transcripts or anything. And, and I said, no, i got to push through this. i, I got to keep going, even though I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It was at a time like that that a friend came into my life, a friend by the name of Jim. And Jim was a dear brother in Christ who happened to be my college roommate. And I had to go to court because I was fighting some things uh, legally. And Jim was right there with me every step of the way. And I remember the day that I had to appear in court. It was me and my attorney and my buddy Jim said, I'm coming. I said, I'm not going to say anything at the trial. I'm just going to be there to support you. I'll be there uh, to just be there to support you. I don't care uh, what happens in the outcome of the trial. Uh, I'm just there to support you. You know, that friend carried me through that difficult time. Paul says that we comfort one another in the same way that we have been comforted. You know, after I got through that bout of depression, uh, my friend Jim contracted AIDS. Uh, it was a terrible disease, and he didn't contract AIDS because he was living a, a, a lifestyle that was displeasing to God. He, he actually contracted AIDS on a mission trip. And this was back in the, in the late 80s, at a time where we didn't realize uh, how uh, important it was to not share things like needles. And so on this mission trip, my brother, my brother Jim got really sick. And the other members of that team 
also got really sick because they drank some water uh, that, that, that was tainted, and that water was causing them to be sick. And so they came in, and, and they gave them all a shot using the same needle. Well, that needle was tainted with the dreaded AIDS virus. Now, amazingly, uh, not everybody in, on that team that received that shot, not everybody got the AIDS virus. Uh, miraculously, uh, only two members of that team contracted AIDS. Well, uh, Jim was one of them. And Jim then became a hemophiliac, and it was often that I would have to rush him to the hospital for him to have a blood transfusion because if he cut himself, he would bleed. And, and because his blood wasn't able to, uh, to mend and coagulate, uh, he was, uh, would just bleed, and sometimes he'd bleed internally. He'd have these mysterious bruises, and I'd rush him to the hospital. Well, to make a, a long story very short, Jim finally got to the point where this dreaded disease of AIDS uh, took his life. I was able to be there with him, to minister with him. And uh, uh, the last semester as he was a student at college was a very difficult semester. And, and I, I was, again, advised by one of my guidance counselors because of, of the uh, amount of care I had to provide for Jim. Uh, they said, why don't you take a semester off? And, and I said, no, no, I want to work through it. And I want to be there for my brother, Jim. You know, I was able to comfort him on a smaller scale with the same comfort that I received. You know, that was a game changer for my life. That changed the trajectory of my life. You know, from age 15 to 21, I was battling really the call of God upon my life. I knew that God had called me into ministry, and I was running in the opposite direction. I didn't want to do what God wanted me to do. I wanted to do my own thing. And as a result of going through some very difficult circumstances, God gave me a clear vision as to what He wanted me to do. He brought Jim into my life. He brought others into my life. You know, he even brought people into my life that brought negative things into my life. You know, that's how God rolls. You know, I was 18 years old. I gave my very first sermon. I mean, I was nervous as a cat on a, on a hot tin roof in the middle of July. And as I was about to deliver my first sermon... My brother, just before I got into the pulpit, stole my notes. Well, I'm already nervous as can be, and he grabbed my notes. So I had to get up into the pulpit with absolutely no notes whatsoever. So all I had was my Bible, right? And I got up there, and, uh, and I made a fool of myself. I got up and spoke maybe one or two minutes. I have no idea what I said. All I remember is throwing up my hands and saying, that's all I got, and I sat down dejected. I felt like the total, a total idiot. And I remember as I was walking out, overhearing another pastor who happened to be in that group that night. I mean, there was quite a few people that were gathered. We did this, uh, this annual watch night service, and it was always on New Year's Eve, and, and the preacher boys all got up there, and, and everybody did a fascinating job, an amazing job, except yours truly. Uh, when I got up there, I didn't know what to say, made a fool of myself. And, and as I'm walking out, I overheard another pastor say these words. Well, we can be sure of one thing. God hasn't called that guy to preach. And I remember hearing that. And I was totally dejected uh, just because I totally dropped the ball. 
But then when I heard that, I said, man, maybe that guy's right. And maybe God doesn't want me to preach. Maybe I have no business at all going into ministry. Uh, maybe I've misunderstood and, and missed the call of my life. Uh, and I was totally set back. But you know, even though that was a negative experience, it gave me some tenacity. It gave me the ability to realize that I am not responding to a call of a man. I'm responding to a call of God. I have had others who have so encouraged me. As I was uh, kind of debating as to what God wanted me to do, uh, I remember a a man coming up to me one day and saying, hey, listen, I I want you to know, I think that God's called you to the ministry. And I said, well, I don't know. I've been wrestling with that decision, and uh, I've been kind of fighting that decision. And part of me says, yes, he wants me to go into ministry. Part of me says, no way. Uh, There's a a whole lot easier way to make a living. And he says, well, the reason I think that God's called you into ministry is because I've watched you. And he says, I've watched you bring in a, a team of teenagers, and you can gather a group of teenagers. He says, I saw you out there playing basketball with them. He says, all of a sudden, all these kids just show up. And he says, you're out there playing basketball. He says, and then I saw you another time, and all of a sudden, all these kids showed up to play hockey. We used to play street hockey right on the street there. And he says, uh, says, you have a unique gift to gather people. I said, man, that's not a gift. Anybody can do that. I says, all they did is went to my buddy and says, hey, I'm playing basketball today. Come on over and join me. And they showed up. And I says, I'm playing hockey this afternoon. Why don't you come on and join me? And they showed up. And this guy says, no, no, not everybody can do that. As a matter of fact, very few people can gather a group of people together. I think God wants you working with young people. You have a knack working with young people. I had another guy who, who spoke into my life. This was actually a family member who said, you know what? I think God's called you to ministry because you have this ability to reach out to the least of these. I said, you know, everybody does that, reaches out to the least of these. My mom used to always make fun of me because I would come home uh, for Thanksgiving or Christmas, and she says, I would never know who Cal was going to bring home uh, for the Christmas break and the Thanksgiving break and the spring break. He always had somebody coming home with him. I thought everybody did that. But no, that's a calling. That's a unique gift. Maybe you're listening to me today and said, man, um, I've had some game changer event in my life. Maybe you've had an accident. Maybe you had a hurt. Maybe you had a setback. Listen, God doesn't waste our suffering. Our sufferings are wake-up calls to grab our attention, to get us to the point where we can identify and serve others. Oh, I want to pray for you today. It's Friday afternoon. You're going home. You're going to face something this weekend that maybe you didn't dream you'd face. You're going to encounter something that maybe you didn't expect to encounter. But I want you to know that God is right in the middle of that. In the midst of despair, God is right there, and He will sustain you. My life verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no trial taken us, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He is not going to allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also provide a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. Oh, my friend, I want you to know that although you may be going through a really hard time right now, if I could sit down with you with a cup of coffee, I would say, hang in there, my brother. Hang in there, my sister. The Lord is forming you. He is putting you through this pressure 
so that he can knock off all the impurities in your life and so that he can prepare you for the wonderful work that he has ahead for you. God never wastes our hurts. God never wastes our suffering. He is right there in the middle of it. It was C.S. Lewis, I believe, who said, God whispers to us in our times of pleasure, but he shouts to us in our times of pain. God is speaking loud and clear to you in a time of suffering, and he wants you to know that this is a game changer for you. This is brought into your life so that you can take your life to the next level, so that you can enter into a new chapter in your life. Well, thank you so much for listening to me today. I would like to pray for you, asking God to give you clarity as you follow him. My text number is 252-267-2365. This weekend, if you don't have a place to worship and you live in the greater Hampton Roads area, why don't you come worship with us this Sunday at 9 o'clock or 1045? I promise you it will make you feel right at home. And let me know that you listen to me on the podcast or on the broadcast. I would love to get to know you. I thank the Lord for this wonderful avenue of getting the message out through the airwaves to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ to keep on keeping on. Listen, God's got big plans for you. Don't quit. Hang in there. He will reveal that plan to you. So Lord, thank you for being with us today. As we wrap up another week of broadcast, may we go in your peace and in your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.